Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. Exodus 25, verse 23 through 30. And this is God talking to Moses about a particular piece of furniture that he wants in the tabernacle. You shall also make a table of acacia wood. Two cubits shall be its length, a cubit its width, and a cubit and a half its height. And you shall overlay it with pure gold and make a molding of gold all around. You shall make for it a frame of a handbreadth all around, and you shall make a gold molding for the frame all around. And you shall make for it four rings of gold and put the rings on the four corners that are at its four legs. The rings shall be close to the frame as holders for the poles to bear the table. And you shall make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold that the table may be carried with them. You shall make its dishes, its pans, its pitchers, and its bowls for pouring. You shall make them of pure gold and you shall set them and you shall set the showbread on the table before me always. Those are pretty specific instructions from God. Would you say just about one piece of furniture in the tabernacle? I'm so thankful that God is a God of specifics. He doesn't leave you questioning, leave you wondering. But God is a specific God. And can I tell you that God has a specific word for you tonight? God's got a specific word for me tonight. And if you're here, you've already made the trip, you've already already come this way, that's half the battle. But I don't want to leave here the same way that I came. I always want to leave closer to God. And I know that's your heart too, that's why you came here in fact. When you think about it, that's why you're here. We didn't just come uh, to just shake hands and go home and leave the same, but we came to be closer to God. Do you want to receive a word from God tonight? Amen. Then can we pray together? Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your presence. Thank you for your spirit. You are so good to us, God. You never fail us. You never leave us, Lord. Your love always, always keeps reaching for us. Thank you, God, for drawing us to the house of the Lord tonight. It's not by coincidence. It's not by accident. It is by your spirit, Lord, that draws all men. And I pray in the name of Jesus, let there, let doubt cease, Lord. Let fear be bound in the name of Jesus. But I lose the power of the Holy Ghost tonight. Let your presence reign, God, and have your way, have your perfect way in our lives tonight, Jesus. And we give you all the thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. And you can be seated. There is something about a home-cooked meal. <laughs> made for mama, made with love. Forget about the love part. There's just something about a good home-cooked meal, right? Something something real. Something that does not have a 10-year shelf life, okay? And it's been a good many years since, since uh, I've had a home-cooked meal on a consistent basis, but, oh, there's just something about Thanksgiving that I love. I think we may have talked about that last time. Thanksgiving, Christmas, these holidays, man, they go all out, don't they? Mom goes all out for the holidays. Thank you, Mom, for that. And when I go to, her, to their house and, and enjoy dinner, there's just something while it's being cooked. For me now, you married guys, I mean, you know all about it. You get it every day. I guess you could take it for granted. But for me, I don't have it much. And especially being on the road, there's just something about that smell. And, on, and if you're anything like my family, for Thanksgiving, we're supposed to have Thanksgiving meal at around noon, right? Well, it ends up being 5 o'clock because the turkey's not done. And so you're sitting there smelling it the whole day. And your stomach's growling, and all you want is that home-cooked meal. There's something about when you hear the sound, dinner's ready. Something about that. It takes me back to a simpler place. When, uh, when mom would open the front door, and I'd be out running around, she'd say, Joe, get in here before I knock your head off. My mom frequently told me that she would knock my head off growing up, and I'm so thankful that she never followed through on that. Why, Mom? Because dinner is ready. Dinner is ready, and, okay, Mom, well, I'll be in there in, in a few minutes. No, I said get in here right now and wash up. Okay, okay, why? Because I didn't go through all this trouble. I didn't spend my time. I didn't prepare this and put this much into it so that you could just stroll in here whenever you wanted to and pick something up from the stove or from the counter. And, uh, thanks, Mom. Or, no, I'm not really hungry. I'm good. No, I went through hard work and preparation so that you could have a good home-cooked meal. You better get in here. As the Israelites approached the tabernacle in the Old Testament, the first thing they would see was 150 feet by 75 feet tent. It stood seven feet high, so it was high enough that none would attempt to climb over it. It was fastened strongly enough at the bottom so none could attempt to duck under it. There was only one way into the tabernacle, and that was through the gate. A little sample taste of the seriousness when we approach God. There is still only one way in, and that one way is through the gate. And if you come any other way, you're a thief. 
You don't belong unless you come in through the front door. If you're trying to get in through a window, or you're trying to come through the back door, honey, you may experience an unpleasant homeowner. And can I tell you that God packs more heat than even a Texan? God is serious about one way. And there is still only one way to get to God. And that's the way that God himself designed it. That's the way that God himself prescribed it. Well, the world is trying to tell you something different today. Culture is trying to force feed you something different, aren't they? They say there are many roads. They all lead to the same place. Live however you like to live. Do whatever pleases you. Maximize your fun here on earth. Have you ever heard that? Don't let anybody tell you what to do. Oh, and be tolerant of my beliefs. And I will be tolerant of your beliefs so long as your beliefs don't tell me I'm right or wrong. Right? That's the kind of world that we live in today. That's the kind of lies that the enemy is telling the world today. And the culture that we live in, unfortunately, is being influenced by that. But thank God for the church of Jesus Christ who have been purchased with his blood. We have, been, we have seen the light and we are in the light. We are walking in the light. Amen. In a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Thank God for the church. Amen. But live how you would like to live. There is no right and wrong. After all, if there is a God, and who can really know for sure, they say, he must be a God of love. If there is a God, he can't be a God of judgment. He's got to be the God that I make him to be. He's got to be the God that fits into my thinking, my reasoning, right? Oh, yes, the world preaches a message that attempts to tickle the ears, but there is only one way that leads to God. John 14, 6 says, Jesus speaking said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto me, unto the Father, but by me. And Jesus said again in Matthew 7, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. But straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leads unto life, and few there be that find it. Just a remnant there be that find the way of life. But I'm so relieved that I don't have to concern myself with a list of ways to get to God, aren't you? There's only one way that I can take, and God's made it real simple for us tonight. That's a huge relief to a guy like me who can't even figure out where I want to go eat. Can you imagine a list of ways to get to heaven? Can you imagine you having to try and figure it out by yourself? But no, God is a God of specifics. There's no gray areas with God. I'm so grateful for Ephesians 4, 4 through 6, just in case you were wondering. There is one body and one spirit, even as you're called, in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. You see a trend? One God and Father of, of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Amen. Can we thank God today, tonight, for one way? Thank you, Jesus, that you made it real simple for us. And we can come boldly to the throne of God, knowing that we've, we found the way. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the way. Amen. And the pressure is off you tonight. So if you're wondering which direction should I take, which way that I go, it's always right to follow God's way. Amen. Once inside the gate, the the, inside the tabernacle area, there was divided three parts. The outer courts were for the common people. The holy place was designated for the priests and the holy of holies for the high priest. Imagine yourself as one of God's elect and chosen people 3,300 years ago entering into the tabernacle. Imagine the bronze altar was the first piece of furniture you would, you would see as you entered through the gate. And this is where animal sacrifices took place for your sin, for my sin. Bloody, cruel. Can you imagine any of you have a pet? I've got a little black pug. And she's a spoiled brat. But can you imagine your pet taking the heat for your sin? An innocent animal taking the heat for what you did. It was brutal and it was cruel. But the raising altar was the first and necessary step to the salvation of your soul. It was a place that you repented and you asked God, please forgive me. I, I want to turn around. I want to change my ways. I no longer want to do what is evil in your sight. I don't want to offend you anymore. Forgive me, God. A lot of times we want to skip over this step. In our culture today, we want to circumvent this step. We want to go around this step. Repentance is a cruel death to self. And it's the first step to the salvation of our soul. And just as an innocent animal was sacrificed for the sins of the people, thank God. As Brother Rob saying tonight, Jesus Christ, who is also the entrance of the tabernacle, is the lamb for sinners slain. Amen. He sacrificed his life for your sin and my sin. In the second stage of the tabernacle was the holy place. This is where only the priests could enter in. You and I could not enter in there. Brother Pastor Calhoun could enter into the second phase and the third phase, but you and I were just common people. We couldn't enter in there. No common person in the holy place. We could not see God. We could not encounter God face to face. We could never just casually enter into the presence of God, as sometimes we are guilty of doing today. Think about it. I'm preaching to myself too. I'm not, I'm not harping on us. Think about it. We could never casually just enter into the presence of God. No, this was serious business. Only those set apart to minister to the Lord on behalf of the people could enter into the holy place. And the table of showbread, which I read to you tonight, was to the right of the priest as he entered into the tabernacle. And the acacia wood that was used to build that table was a strong wood. 
God wanted it to withstand storms. God wanted it to withstand as they carried the ark or the table from, from place to place, following the cloud by day and the fire by night. God had specific instructions. There were 12 loaves of bread on the table. They represented the 12 tribes of God's people, Israel. They were set in two rows of six. And one commentator said there was always showbread upon the table. There was never a time where showbread was not on the table. It was baked fresh every Friday. It was replaced every Saturday, and the priests would eat the old bread and replace the old with the new. One commentator said you would stand, there would be two priests on one side of the table and two priests on the other, and as two would remove the old bread, the, the priests would put the new bread on the table so that there was not even a second that went by without bread on the table. What's the significance of that? God was serious about communication with his people. God was serious about his people. He wanted communication. He wanted to talk with his people. And the table of showbread was not only a representation of God's people, it was a rep representation of us feasting around the table of the Lord. Are you thankful for brothers and sisters in Christ? that you can gather together around his table and that you can feast on the word of God, that you don't have to do it alone. Are you thankful? Hebrews 10.25 says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. It's scriptural. We need each other. We've got to have each other. That's why the church is here. Aren't you thankful for life spring? Aren't you thankful for brothers and sisters that you can enter into the presence of God with and you can behold his face with? You don't have to do it alone. Amen. You can't do it alone. In fact, and that goes against our mindset. That goes against our, our culture. Everything that we've been brought up to be, I can do it. I don't need help. No, we need each other to make it to heaven. We can't make it without each other. And this is a New Testament thing, too. It's not just the Old Testament. God is serious. Acts 2.42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. The show bread represents God having communion with his people. And just as the bread sat upon the table every day, can I tell you, a fresh word is available to you. Whatever you need, you've come to the right place. If you need direction, if you need hope, if you're lost, if you're addicted and you need deliverance, you've come to the right place. In fact, you've walked right into your answer. Amen. You've walked right into your answer. And there is reserved seating just for you. Just for you. So what's the meaning of the tabernacle? What's all the significance? Okay, I understand. I get it. What does it mean to me today, modern day? Can I tell you, God has got a table set up right now. There's something interesting about a table. God has always had a table set. The psalmist said, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. This is a place where God can commune with you. A place where you can relax in his presence and let down your guard. A place where you can feast on the goodness of God. The psalmist says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed are they that put their trust in him. Why has God prepared a table? You know that all God ever really wanted was relationship with you? That's the bottom line. All God ever really wanted was a relationship with somebody who cared. He wanted to talk with somebody. He wanted to walk with somebody and share with somebody, laugh with somebody, sing with somebody, like he did in the garden with Adam. The Bible says they walked in the cool of the day. And to me, that, that must mean, this is just me, it may mean twice a day, morning and night in the cool of the day. They walked every day together. They had such a great friendship until. Has anybody ever let God down? So being the gracious and the loving and compassionate God that he is, he immediately started to work on a plan. He was just looking for somebody who cared enough to have a relationship with him. And he made a nation out of a man who said, yes, Lord, here I am. I'm listening. He made a nation out of the man. But you know what? It wasn't enough. He made a nation out of Abram, but it was not enough. With all the meal offerings and the peace offerings, the sin offerings, the trespass offerings, and the burn offerings, so many offerings from an estimated 2.7 million people, there were an estimated 256,000 sacrifices a year. I asked you to picture this. This is hard to picture. An estimated 20,000 blood sacrifices a day, one historian said. That's a lot of blood. A day. 1,667 sacrifices every two hours. Can you imagine how exhausting this is? The priest worked in 12-hour shifts. It would take two hours to burn an animal. Day after day. Can you imagine? Week after week, month after month, year after year, the same old, same old. How exhausting. And even that was not enough. So much bloodshed. And even that was not enough. How could it ever be enough? There was no way that a sinner could repair the damage. There was no way that we could bridge the gap to God. We were the one who made the mistake, yet God made a plan so that we could come back to him. How amazing is God? When somebody's let you down, when somebody's made a mistake, when somebody's failed you, how often are you the first one to go to them and say, hey, I've made a way back? How often do we do that? And the Bible says that we should do that, but how often do we do that? God made a way when we were the ones that broke covenant. 
we were the ones that broke relationship. But there was no way that we could measure up to the justice that the law required. It was a strict law. God was serious. And there was no way that we could be reconciled through animal blood. But then a man stepped on the scene and changed everything. Are you thankful for that? Is that your testimony tonight? That Jesus Christ stepped on the scene and changed absolutely everything for you. Can you think back to the moment when you were saved, when you found God in an altar? Can you thank God for finding you, not leaving you alone, but bridging the gap? Hey, man, my family, my family came in the church in 1992. I was seven, seven years old. My family was on the brink of disaster. My parents were, there was no doubt they were going to get divorced. And I remember as a five, six, seven-year-old boy going to sleep at night, listening to my parents fight and throwing things in the kitchen and breaking things and, and being real concerned for my mom's safety, being real concerned. And, uh, and mom said now, and I don't remember this, but she, she used to say uh, that I would come up to her and say, and say, Mom, just tell him you're sorry. Just tell him you're sorry. Please, please. Begging her and crying. And she's obviously, I didn't know the situation, what was going on, but my family was broken. They were in need of something. Has anybody ever been in need? We were broke. And what my family did not know, what my parents did not know, was that God was interested in saving their soul. Well, they knew they had a problem. They, they knew they had a marriage problem. They knew that was, that was coming to an end. They knew they needed help. Well, thank God for a little old, I say, oh, she wasn't old. She's still not old. Pentecostal lady who mom worked with. And her name is Mindy Scannell. I'm forever indebted to Mindy Scannell. She was real quiet. She, she carried a Bible everywhere. Mom said she never really spoke, and she was just kind of weird. She dressed weird. She looked funny. She had long hair. And, uh, but their car broke down. They only had one car, and, and mom lived the closest to her, and so mom would pick her up for work every day. Again, she said Mindy would never really talk, so she, you know, mom would be turning the station just trying to find something to get some noise in the car. And she ran across the station. A black gospel choir was singing, and they were giving praise to God. Now, we were from a Catholic background, and uh, so, to, so to my mom, you know, that was exciting. These people actually, you know, sounded like they had something. And she, she said, well, that's exciting. You know, I, I kind of wish I went to a church like that. And Mindy said, I go to a church like that. And mom said, yeah, right. You go to a church like that? No way. <laughs> you with your long hair and your weird dress. And Mindy said, well, we're having revival service. We're having special services. Why don't you come and check it out? And I'll never forget the first time me and my mom walked through the door. I think it was a Thursday night. We walked in, and <laughs> we'd never seen Pentecostals worship. What an amazing experience. We walked through the back door, and we saw people running around the aisles and dancing, and some lady doing a jig against the wall. And I, all we could do was laugh. We laughed hysterically. Me and mom just laughed. It was the funniest thing we'd ever seen. I've never seen anybody doing this and, and shouting. And what is she doing? Is she crazy? Well, it didn't take too long before mom realized the presence of God was in that place. Something was real that she couldn't find anywhere else. And so mom kept coming back. And dad, of course, he didn't like it. You know, this is, this is heresy. This is a cult. This is, we're not coming here. But he would come to protect her. <laughs> and he'd sit on the back row, and, and, and me and my brother would be there, and he'd, you know, have his arm around the pew, and he would just sit there and just watch as it took place with a frown on his face, you know, trying to be cool, trying to be, I don't know, intimidating or whatever. And mom received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And as the preacher was preaching one night, he was preaching straight to my dad. My dad was so aggravated. He was so mad at the preacher. How does this guy know me? He's reading my mail. He's saying everything. I, she was so mad. In fact, he was so mad that he got up and stormed out the back door. And thank God for a preacher that caught him in the parking lot. And he talked to him for about 30 minutes and, and settled him down. No, no, your wife didn't tell me everything about you. That's just God. That's the spirit of God. It's not me. I don't know anything, but that, as the word of God goes forth, it's pricking your heart. It's convicting you. Thank God that he didn't let him go. And here comes my dad back in. And he hits his knees, and God fills him with the Holy Ghost. And forever changed my family's destiny. Forever changed our fate. And here I am tonight because God never stopped reaching. He completely changed my family forever. Can I say my, my parents have been going on 33 years strong now. Thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ. We were broken, but God had a plan. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulder, his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Have you found him to be any of those things in your life? Thank God, amen, that he's been our Everlasting Father, our Wonderful Counselor. He spoke peace into my family's life. Matthew 1, and she shall bring forth a son, now shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. Thank you, Jesus. Neither is there salvation in any other. Acts 4.12 says, For there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Thank God for bridging the gap. Are you thankful that somebody told you? Are you thankful that somebody reached out to you with love? 
And they told you about Jesus Christ and what he did for you. And they didn't, they continued to let their light shine. They didn't put it out. Thank God for finding me, Lord. But the word of God is higher than the name. And this is what I couldn't figure out. I was asking God, what in the world? Your name is awesome. At the name of Jesus, every knee is going to bow. Every tongue will confess of things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth. Everything's going to bow one way, one day, everything, either now or then. So what could be higher than the name? God, I don't understand how the psalmist says, your word is magnified even above your name. I don't get that. Lord, reveal that to me. As much as we love your precious name, I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth, for thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. The psalmist said, why? I asked God. And I felt the Lord speak, because my name is what you call me, but my word is who I am. This very word of God, Jesus Christ himself, is in your hands right now. Anybody have your Bible? It's in your hands. Anybody have your, your phone, your Bible app? The Bible is in your hands right now. And it's so readily available to us today. The word of God is more available than it ever has been. It's at our very fingertips. No longer do we have to rely upon animal sacrifice. Thank God. Me and you would not even be in that equation. We were not even Israelites. We wouldn't even be God's elect and chosen people. We'd be on the outside looking in. There was absolutely no hope for us. There was no priest that could, that could talk to God on your and my behalf. Nobody could do it for us. We were just on the outside looking in. No salvation for us until Jesus Christ. God made a way. He took the first million steps towards you and I. When we broke the relationship, thank you, Jesus, for doing that for me, God. A lowly, a lowly wretch like me, a sinner. Thank you, God, for looking down on me. Amen. Praise God. No longer do we have to rely on Pastor Calhoun to go to God in prayer for us. Are you thankful for that? That you can go to heaven on your own because you can have communion with God Almighty on your own. And can I tell you that that's not all that God wants. He's not that shallow. He doesn't just want you in heaven to spend eternity with him. Now that's going to be good. But God wants you to have the best life here and now on earth. He doesn't want you to go through the misery of your own decisions and your own will and try things your own way until you figure out, I've had it. I'm banging my head against the wall. It's no use. God doesn't want to see you suffer like that. God wants you to have the best life on earth. Amen. So my question to you tonight is, what are you waiting for? Are you going to RSVP? Because dinner is ready for you tonight. The word of God is here. John 6, 33 through 37 says this. For the bread of God is he which comes down from heaven and gives life unto the world. Then they said unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that comes to me shall never hunger. He that believes on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father gives me shall come to me. And, and this is my favorite part. And him that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. All you have to do is be hungry. Is anybody hungry tonight? I'm hungry for Jesus Christ. I mean, I know that he saved me and he has been my savior, but I don't want to just recognize the Lord Jesus Christ as my savior. I want him to be my Lord, my master. I mean, God doesn't just want to be your savior. He wants to be Lord in your life. And when you give him control, that's the best thing you can ever do. Why fight it? Why kick against the pricks as he asks Saul? Why are you kicking? Why are you fighting? You're struggling on your own accord. You're trying to do things your own way, but it's not working out. Can you just see that I want to take care of you every step of the way, step by step? Don't fight anymore. I'll say it again, because my name is what you call me, but my word is who I am. That's why I have magnified my word above my name. You can use my name for cursing if you want to. You can go ahead and do that. It's sin. But sure, if you want to drag my name through the mud, as we hear many people do nowadays, you want to just use my name that way, go ahead. But you can never use my word against me because my word is who I am. And these words speak life. <laughs> so you can try and open your mouth and curse the word, but when you're speaking the word, you're speaking life because Jesus Christ himself is life. Amen, he's alive. Praise God. Any foodies in here? I love food, <laughs> as you can tell. Man, God, that you would give us an insatiable hunger for your spirit and for your word. God, that we would put down the fork and pick up the living word of God. Everything that you need is in this book. Everything you could ever desire is in this book. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. It's your salvation. It's your light. It's your hope. Anybody ever been alone before? I've been alone, or I felt alone. Is that not the worst feeling that you could ever feel? You're like nobody really cares. Your friends aren't there. Perhaps you even begin to think, do I even have friends? Yeah, your, your mind can really work on you. The enemy can work on you when you feel alone. You can really do some damage. You know that you're not alone. And all you have to do is pick up the word of God to see it. The psalmist said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. 
He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table, a table, before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You're not alone. God is there for you. Jesus Christ, the living, breathing word of God. All you have to do is pick up the book and read it. It's the word of life. Amen. Pick up your Bible and read it. That's Jesus Christ himself in your hands. Do you get what I'm saying? This word will be your salvation. I was a knucklehead too, 16, 17, 18 years old. Yeah, I was raised in this, and then I was a knucklehead, as we all seem to do as teenagers. God got a hold of me. The problem was, I made the unfortunate mistake of putting his word in my mind and heart. It's a dumb thing to do if you want to run from God. And every night, as I'd lay my head on the pillow, I knew I wasn't right. I knew I was living against his will, against his word. I knew I was doing things that displeased him. And I was miserable. What am I doing? Again, I'm fighting. Why do we fight? But I was doing that, laying my head down at night, knowing I wasn't living right, and that word would just play over and over and over in my mind. Lord, I just want to do my own thing. Purge me with his and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be watered. But I just want to do, okay, Lord, okay, search me, O God, and know me, and try my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me. Okay, stop. All right, can I just go to sleep? For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I couldn't get the word out of my life. God's going to track you down because his love is so great. He's going to keep reaching. He's going to keep pulling. He's never going to give up. Stop fighting. Don't fight. Okay. Thank God for salvation again. Thank God that he found me again. In Luke 14, I'll end with this if the music wants to come. In Luke 14, if we have music, if not, that's fine. Jesus is telling a parable about a man, a master of ceremony, who made a banquet for all of his friends. He just wants them to come out and enjoy some good food. And what you know, his servants went out and invited his friends, and they started to give excuses. They started to give excuses. Well, I just bought a couple of boxes, and I need to check on them. One said, I just got married. I need to, I need to tend to my spouse. And so the servants come back and say, well, we invited them, but nobody, nobody's coming. There's still room at, at the table. And the master said, are you kidding? I went through all this trouble. I, went through, I prepared all this. It's a simple meal. I, I want to just have fellowship with you. I just want to commune with you. I just want to talk with you. I just want to share myself with you. I went through all this trouble. Yeah, nobody will come. Go out and get the, get the maim, get the lame, get the blind. I want this table full. I want it full. Okay, so we we'll, went out and comes back, and, but we invited them and there's still room left. Are you kidding me? God has prepared a feast for me. And I'm going to tell him no. I'm going to offer excuses. He said, go into the hedges. Go out to the highways and the byways. Compel them to come. I need this table full. I tell you, if you don't RSVP, somebody will take your spot. God's going to have a table full. And he's prepared a meal just for you. And he's laid it out. And he's set it out all in front of you. You don't have to do anything except come to the table. That's all you have to do. Not offer excuses. Don't offer him excuses anymore. God's really reaching for somebody. I don't know who he's reaching for. Perhaps you've, you've had the Holy Ghost. Perhaps everybody in this room has the Holy Ghost and you've had it. God's still reaching for you. God's not done. Don't take for granted the presence of God. Don't take for granted what God has done. And stop fighting. Stop trying to do it your own way, but just relax and let God take control. Jesus had a divine appointment with a woman at the well. He had to go through Samaria. He had a meal for her too. He sat down at the well. He was tired. It was all a plan. He just wanted to talk to somebody. He just wanted somebody to RSVP. And he said, go get your husband. She said, I don't have a husband. And he said, you're right. You've had five. And the man you're with is not your husband. Whoa. You see, she did a little sidestep there. She knew she was talking to maybe a prophet or something. She knew this guy was different. But Jesus said, go get your husband. She thought, ah, I caught him. I don't have a husband. I'm off the hook. I'm free. No, you're right. You don't. But God looked right through. And he saw the situation. And he said, in fact, here's your situation. And then immediately, she tried to sidestep again and talk about, well, Lord, uh, or I can see that you're a prophet. You know, the Jews worship on this mountain. We worship on this one. Who's right? Immediately, she tried to go around it, sidestep the blow. He called me out. God just wants to bring you to the light. Doesn't want you hiding in the shadows in the darkness anymore. He just wants to call you into the light. She just sidestepped a little bit, takes some pressure off her, and Jesus brings it right back around. They that worship shall worship in spirit and in truth. 
in spirit and in truth. God just wants a relationship with us, that's all. He's so hungry. God is the one who's hungry and he's prepared a meal for us. We're the ones who broke relationship and covenant with God and he made a way for us. Is this not mind-boggling? <laughs> is this not incredible, the love of God? So don't fight the love of God. Can we stand right now? Can we lift our hands and pray to him? In your own words, God wants you to RSVP tonight. He wants you. He wants relationship with you. He wants your heart. Is there anybody, as, as you're praying, his eyes are closed, is there anybody who does not have the gift of the Holy Spirit? Anybody? If you'll, if you'll just wave at me if you don't have the gift of the Holy Spirit. Everybody's got it. Okay. Well, if you would, if, you, if we can gather around, if we can come to the table, if we can RSVP tonight, can we gather around the front, can we step out and say, God, I, I, I'm going to pick up your word. I desire you more and more every day. You're not done reaching for me just because I'm, I'm, I'm a servant of God. I'm, I'm serving you in, in the house of God. You're not done reaching for me, but you have more for me. You've got more for me, God. I can go as deep in God as I want to go. I can go as far in Jesus Christ as I want to go. It's all a choice. It's really just a choice of mine. You can stay right where you're at. You can enjoy just the relationship that you want. You can live on the fringes. You can live in the shadows. But God doesn't want that. God wants you to have the best life ever. God wants you to be a force for him. God wants you to be a light to others. It's not just his will that you're saved, but God wants you to be a light to other people. To shine your light in Brookfield. To shine your light in Wisconsin. That's what God desires. Oh, God, cleanse us. Wash us clean, Lord. Help us. Forgive us of our apathy, God. Forgive us for our complacency. Forgive us, Lord, for being idle. But God, give us a hunger. Give us a deep hunger for you, Lord. That you prepared a meal for us. God, help us not to miss it. Help us, God, not to miss it. We're going to RSVP. We're going to say yes. Yes to your invite, Lord. Hallelujah. Whatever you have for me, God, that's what I desire. Whatever you want for me, that's what I want, God. You took all this time. You took all this preparation. You made this big play in God. I'm going to say yes, Lord. I want you. I desire you. I'm hungry for you, Lord. I'm hungry for the meal that you have prepared for me.